0: Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we've got a real cool guest sitting in our couch. Finally, someone that sits on the fucking couch. <laughs> we have this here and everyone opts for the fucking Captain Kirk chair. No, not everyone.
1: Some people have sat on the couch before. Sulu,
0: Warp Factor 5, all that kind of <laughs> shit. Although I do. Are you a Star Trek fan?
2: I could be right now. Well,
0: fuck. Look at his
1: face. He has no... No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> like I'm talking about the original Star Trek. Like
0: okay, Captain Kirk, Captain James
2: Tiberius Kirk. Okay, because I mean Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Way before that, right? Yeah. No.
1: No. <laughs> he looks. He looks quite a bit younger than you. Yeah, but still. What do you mean? It's, it's,
0: it's timeless. <laughs> it's ageless. That shit. It's the Asian genes. Yeah. I don't know.
1: He's Asian too. I yeah. think. <laughs> I think he might be a little bit younger than both of us. <laughs>
2: yeah, maybe a little bit. I look it, but you'd be surprised. Dun, dun, I thank dun, you though. Dun. Thank you. <laughs>
1: So
0: we have uh Chris, he's an RMT, he's hanging out on our couch and uh Amanda's also well, you already heard she's she's in the Captain Kirk chair. Yes I am. Do you feel like do you feel like Captain Kirk? Not for a second. Mm you probably more like Captain Kirk than you know, by the way.
1: <laughs> All right. Can we uh, analyze my Captain Kirkness later? Let's talk about Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds
2: like a good idea. We'll have to come back to that.
1: Guys. Yeah. We'll circle right back. All right. Hey, guys. It's Amanda. And uh, yeah, as Mark said, we're hanging out in the office today. It's a pretty cold day here in Toronto. So the three of us thought we would just hang out and shoot the shit and talk about Chris's journey as a registered massage therapist and uh yeah i honestly met chris about seven and a half minutes ago i know nothing about him other than he's an rmt and he likes motorcycles so that's all
2: all i need right there (laughs) and now they're best friends check check and that's all i need Yeah. yeah
1: so we're yeah we're just gonna talk to chris and shoot the shit there's really no agenda For us putting the headsets on today, and I really like that. It feels very relaxed in here. I even have my feet up on the table. I might have to join you.
2: (laughs) Chris, why don't you uh, tell the masses a little bit about yourself? Before we get into that, why doesn't anyone actually sit on the couch? It's so comfy. I know, right?
0: Uh, more more people than not don't sit on the couch, though. I
1: think it's... Oh. Uh, people get very nervous when we're putting the headsets on. Chris is uh, making himself comfortable, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. But people... are rearranging
0: my fucking cushions. <laughs> what the hell? People get a little
1: nervous <laughs> when putting the headsets on. And I think sitting in my desk chair feels maybe a little more powerful. It's a little higher. And then you've got the desk at height. I know some people come in here with notes, which by the way, uh, you know you don't need to have notes. Let's just talk. Let's be yeah. relaxed. There's a
2: Captain Kirkness to the chair. That's why. Yeah, there is. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Um, <laughs> that's great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, I'm going to sit on the floor anyway. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. So Chris, Chris, Hi. Chris, um, before we start, why don't you tell people how you came to be on our couch today.
2: I think this was long overdue because of Mark's uh, continuing education programs. I've always been getting the emails and, you know, you kind of just skip archive, delete, trash, whatever it might be. And I was like, you know, I'm actually going to take a look at some of these courses. And they were, they're, they're still very interesting and um, appealing to me and I still need to take your uh, joint mobilization <laughs> course um, and then I was looking for an accountant short story I hit up uh, whoever was behind continuing education and he introduced himself as Mark um, and this uh, you know obviously this was through uh, I think it was emails so the voice in my head does not match what I'm hearing right now but <laughs> it doesn't mean I'm disappointed though I'm actually that actually sounds like disappointment <laughs> I actually pictured a a more squeaky tone mark behind the scenes, but <laughs> really? I like the voice. What about what about the, my your typing? E- your email squeaky sounds squeaky. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what it was that though. So back to how I got into this is just because I need an accountant, and lo and behold, that's your brother. That
1: is my brother. <laughs> What's up, Brian?
2: <laughs> yeah, he's great, by the way. Um, and then social media uh, came around too, and I started following him and. Um. Then saw his, this two RMTs and one Mike. Um. Had to make sure that it was something that was within Ontario because sometimes you'll find massage therapists outside of Ontario and they'll kind of be they'll take the massage therapy industry into a different kind of avenue. So I actually listened to the some of the podcast and uh, lo and behold, I found Angelito who just happened to be a follower of mine that day and. I just I spent like the the whole hour or two just doing some research on both of you and and Angelito. Um, and then I was like, "That's it. I gotta I gotta hit this guy up." Mark, can I get on this? I I love to talk about uh, the massage therapy industry, and I love to talk about health and wellness. And my growth and where, have I've, where has this, t- this career taken me in the past nine years.
1: I love it. I love it because the whole point of us doing this podcast was to share knowledge, was to, you know, sort of let, let RMTs talk about whatever they want to talk about. And you heard it and you're like, yeah, I want to do this. And you contacted us and
2: that's pretty cool. Guys, this is really cool because this is a platform I... I have been thinking about for a while of how what to do, but not on a podcast uh, type of platform. But I guess you could say my social media, I'm trying to introduce uh, series. Um, I have so many in mind because as uh, my background before being an RMT was a professional dancer. So the creative aspect, not to say I've lost, but I'm kind of just honing down of how to apply that as being an RMT. And so that's the kind of the uh, educational aspect of maybe introducing muscles that we don't really focus too much on. And I call, it, I call that the forgettable series. Oh, nice. <laughs> you know, no one talks about like the papatias and the pronator teres and like serratus anterior and all those mu- cool muscles. So, and I introduce that to my clients and they say, you know, I wish I knew about these muscles and ding, there's, there's a light bulb and I make a series out of that. And then there's another series that i just a bunch of creative ways i just want to introduce what i've learned as a massage therapist because this actually being an rmt has actually changed my life as hallmark as that sounds nine years ago i probably i didn't even know what an rmt was to be honest until uh i guess this kind of parlays to how i got to become an rmt yeah let's start with the dance because yeah i was gonna say i have so many questions i'm I'm fascinated with the dance
1: where did you where did you study dance
2: I'm, i'm i'm a informal trained Dancer, so I didn't awesome. study. Uh, first, I didn't start off at, you know, three, four years old. Um, mm. I started at 21 years old. Uh, So that's actually considered late. And the type of dance and genre I'd say I I like to specialize in is hip hop or or urban or whatever they call it now. Um, I started because I watched it. This was before YouTube, guys. So I don't even know what what was before YouTube. But I saw a video of a dance crew in Toronto and it literally brought me to tears because that's how bad I wanted to do it. Do you remember the name of that dance crew? They're called Vibe with a Y. And they're actually in Markham. Long story short, I just went to a drop-in class and the choreographer said, you got some talent. Let's let's get you into the program. And I did that for a year. And then soon after, it's like when you throw yourself into any art, it starts to then draw other choreographers towards you or maybe... Musicians or singers. Um, but in this case, uh, YouTube was now coming up with a lot of LA choreographers that I was really drawn to with their type of style um, of hip hop. So I moved out there to LA. How
0: old were you when you did that? Uh, 22. 20. Did, you have, did you have money or you just went like, fuck it? No, I'm just go on.
2: No Airbnb. Yeah. Then there was no Airbnb. There was just some shady Kijiji, you know, we're going to accommodate you. If you're a dancer from another country, <laughs> I was like, Get in, check, here's my money. So,
0: wait, 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 wait. I got to back this up. Were you
2: living at home? Were you living on your own? What were you doing at in, that time? In Toronto? No, I, I was sorry. I was living at home. Okay. Um, parents? I was living with parents. And do, were you working too? Like- I had a very, like, at that point, I had a, a job. Okay. Uh, working at a bank for about eight years at that point. Okay. Um, and with, you know, no direction of where my career was going to go, but I, do, I did enjoy dance at that time. So. And,
0: then, and then you just go to your parents like, mm, I'm going to L.A.
2: Yeah. And they said... You idiots." <laughs>
3: <laughs> yep.
2: <laughs> um, especially because they were very concerned of whether I was going, to, going back to university or not. And right. I, I put that on hold to then just say, I'm going to L.A., Why? I'm going to go dance. Why? (laughs) Because I want to learn from the best choreographers. What's a choreographer? So I was like, you know, I'm not even going to explain it. I'm just going to just cross my fingers, try my best to learn from the best teachers out there. And so I had a bit of an ego because I was doing quite well as a dancer here, but that doesn't translate to being a dancer there.
1: When you say quite well, what does that mean? Thank you. what, uh, What were you doing?
2: I... I could pick up choreography quite quickly. I could hear what the choreographer, uh, I would, I could hear this the 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 beats and the rhythm and um, what the choreographer would try to uh, instruct. And um, at that point, I was almost even becoming the choreographer as well because I, I like to create versus being taught to create uh, or someone else's choreography. So this so. is
1: still all before you've done any like any type of like career moves with this. This is all still in the learning phase. Like you're learning to dance, you're working with choreographers, but you haven't actually taken this off and tried to to work as a dancer. Are you scoring yes. gigs
2: yes. at this point? Yes, okay. I was. My first year we were scoring gigs, um, though I wasn't, the dancers weren't actually getting paid, but the choreographer, that's another story. But uh, we were doing multiple shows around GTA, um, especially up in Markham, because that's where, The primary source of uh, gigs were. I was looking at these LA choreographers, and and I said, you know, I gotta get, I I gotta be there. And if we could just take this back a little bit more. I also was in a relationship with another dancer in Toronto that didn't go quite well, so I had a big chip on my shoulder to get out of Toronto. So I said, LA, it is, and I probably stayed there um, for about six months. And I I meant to stay there for a year, but it's LA. And I couldn't afford it. I was 22. I ate, that ate all my savings. Um, I traveled about two hours one way to get from where I was staying in California to get to the LA studios. Uh, But it was so worth it. And I would spend six, seven, maybe sometimes 10 hours of just back-to-back classes, dance classes, um, eating well, not eating anything at all, but just drinking those ninety-nine cents Arizona iced teas. <laughs> oh my god! I got off of that twenty. Like I was, I was fine. Twenty-two can't do that now, but you know, t- at twenty-two, you could. You were just on a high, and I was, I, I was t- getting taught by these, uh, these, these choreographers that I was watching on YouTube about three months ago. So I geeked out. There could be Britney Spears walking by, wouldn't care, Denzel walking by, but it was this it was this choreographer that I was watching about three months ago. I'm like,
3: oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. worshipping this guy. So uh I picked up a lot. Um, but back to the the dance level, I was nowhere near anywhere I thought I was when I was in Toronto. So they really humbled you. Big time. And yeah. I need, I needed that. And it,
1: Everybody needs it at 22. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> was it, was it, was it, was yeah. it a good humbling or, or was it like
0: I'm crying
2: in the kitchen floor by <laughs> myself? I needed that slap in the face because, um, though, my family who was against me going to LA saying that you're not you know you got to be careful it's uh, there's there's pedophiles out there <laughs> there's, there's 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 people that are going to just take your money and just scaring me right i said i'll be fine cuz i knew deep in my heart that there, there this was either LA was either going to be the the, the longer route or it's going to teach me something mm-hmm. that was going to take me on the longer route and it was the latter Uh, I lasted six months, big slap in the face, eating crackers, starving, um, slimmed up, not in the best way possible. uh, And I had to come back home and it was probably the best thing that happened to me because I actually met a few great dancers out in LA that I brought over to Toronto. And long story short, the workshop that I built for these LA dancers in Toronto gathered a bigger community of dancers in Toronto to come and I was introduced to the industry dancers and choreographers Mm -hmm. that became my, I guess, employers. And so they hired me just based off of the fact that they knew me from this workshop, but I didn't have the skill to back that up. I was still, at that point, I was only two years into my training Mm -hmm. and that always it they they would give me a gig to perform at a show and i was just like uh okay if you want me to do it i didn't think i i was able to so there's always this anxiety of performing on stage without the actual confidence uh of training and i but they still gave me the gig i had a look they said and i think that's kind of <laughs> what you need sometimes in the entertainment industry fast forward now if i can parlay this to the r m t journey i did a a show um it was a charity actually, and there was another r m t there um <laughs> i won't uh bail out his name yet uh but he was in was a backstage and um he was singing rent something from rent and I just found myself walking through the hallways looking for who's singing this? It's like, who's magical? I'll give you a hint,
1: everybody. We already know him.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He might've already been featured on this. He
1: already has been. (laughs)
2: Episode blank. And, uh, and so I met, I met him and that was it. He didn't tell me he was an RMT. He didn't say anything else, but I really, really enjoyed this guy's uh, vibe. And next thing you know, I'm sitting on the TTC and he's on the poster for Sutherland Chan <laughs> massage Therapy School, so I called Robert Glean <laughs> and i said, and I asked him i didn't know you were a model. why didn't you tell me and he he laughed and chuckled he's like i'm not i'm not a model that's that's the school I went to and uh, you know i'm going to say this right now I was like, you're a masseuse <laughs> and he was like, "Whoa, buddy <laughs> he backed it up he he schooled me on the actual regulation, I thought that was cool just because he was such a cool guy. Anything yeah. he could say was cool. Then. He
1: is a really cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> you just listen to him talk. He's just yeah. a cool guy. Yeah. yeah,
2: just so happy. And he told me about uh, an orientation um, night at Sutherland Chan. And this was at a point where, not like I failed dance, but it was kind of, it, it it hurt me being in LA financially. So I had to take a bit of a, um, I had to keep my distance from dance because in Toronto, you still gotta you you gotta take classes, and those aren't really cheap either. And at that point, I was only teaching dance. He said, "Well, why don't you just why don't you just go to the orientation? No pressure, um, but it'd be great for you to just kind of find something there if it attracts you." And that I did. And I, I do thank Robbie for you know kind of starting the starting the fire, but um, Sutherland Chan was a big component of uh, of of how things shifted towards being completely lost (laughs) and vulnerable and broke to I think I like this stuff and they taught us or sorry they told us what they were going to teach us and anatomy and physiology neurology um, a bunch of courses and it really just ignited something in me that I didn't think I had
0: career college done right yeah absolutely right there at
2: 23 I was 23 years old um, I wasn't really... I was picky, of course, too, because, again, you're getting family telling you, do this, do that. Go be, be a, a nurse. Be a nurse. Be a nurse, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Stay at... Stay, go back to the bank where you were working at for eight years, you know? Um. Find stability. And I... Being a black sheep of a family, any anything they told me, I would just do the opposite. So I probably should thank my family for that, too. Right? <laughs> um, and because... My family didn't really know the career of RMT and what what it could offer, um, and neither did I. But I knew that this was something that interested me, and it kind of, uh, like dance, felt there was a whole world of um, of, of anatomy that I really just enjoyed learning. Mm-hmm. And um, I gotta credit the instructors at at Sutherland Chan, especially anatomy instructors that really made it so fun and funny mm-hmm. to learn bones and muscles and nerves and ligaments and all that stuff, which I probably in elementary school would snore to death because I was like, this is so boring. But now it's like, it's, 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 it's like food for the soul. And <laughs> I listen and
1: yeah, talk definitely talk. having good instructors makes a difference, yeah. but you have to have some, like you said, you have to have some sort of fire for it. Like for me, the only thing when I was going to university, the only degree that made sense for me was kinesiology for the reason that like I was trying to think about sitting in lectures about okay, history. Like, nope, not gonna fly. Political science. No, not me. The only thing that really ever interested me was actually understanding the body. Yeah. Like that to me was just and I knew from young, young, I'm like, I'm not going to be a doctor. Yeah. Not because I can't, by the way, okay? <laughs> but I just, I, I knew that I wasn't going to go to medical school, but I wanted to work in some way where I could learn anatomy and physiology and neurology because right. that to me is interesting. I actually have talked about this on a few podcasts. I think that it should be taught more in younger grades too. It's astonishing how very little people know about their own body. Ain't that the truth. Like really, absolutely nothing unless you've actually decided to study it in some way. That's what my doctor's for. That's what my mechanic's for. I don't know about my car. I take the <laughs> mechanic. I don't know about
3: my,
0: my okay, body. Okay, okay, fine. Take your, it to the doctor. Your
1: body, though, like it is literally the only thing that you have with you your entire life. Like what is actually more important? You go through a number of cars. Since I've known you, you've probably had like six different vehicles. It's your body stays with you understanding your body to me just makes all the sense in the world and it never ends the learning of your body yeah yeah so many
2: components to it but also Robbie did he he did get me on the fact of the flexible hours mm-hmm. <laughs> you know after you know it's funny cuz when you're running your own business then it's like what flexible hours he said you know you're chris you're, you're a dancer i'm a singer i still get to do my passion um, and still pay rent at the end of the day. And I help people, I connect with people. And it was that word connect that really said, okay, I gotta, I gotta get in there. Cause at that point, I didn't know that that word would actually mean as much as it means to me now. Uh, but I did like the fact that it involved people, it helped people. It, it was very flexible on the hours. Um, And I could still dance, and now I don't.
0: (laughs) What does connect mean to you now?
2: Oh, man. Connect or connection is uh, survival, almost. Um, Human beings are social creatures. And I think connecting with, especially on a day like Valentine's Day, whether that means anything or not to most people, um, if you were just on a day like this, just stuck in a dark room, I don't think that would fly well with no one in there. Instead of being on the opposite side of the room, and there's tons of people saying, hey, Mark, hey, man, hey, Chris, how you doing? Hi, oh, let me just give you a handshake, you know, touch and pat on the back. It's There's something about it. And uh, connect means very much uh, a learning experience, like gaining knowledge, if you find the interest to gain knowledge. And I do, and I'm constantly looking at people and, looking at them as like living encyclopedias, like whether it's actual factual knowledge or experience, I'll take both. And that's why I love being an RMT now because um, I connect with so many and treat so many different types of people from different types of backgrounds. And they tell me their story when the rapport has been set. Um, We start off with their chief complaints, obviously, but then, through weeks of treatments and months maybe we then get a little deeper and deeper and deeper and it's it's so fun watching the connection grow and what they can uh what they can appreciate as a patient or client that their therapist actually gives a shit
0: give us the career path then so you finish at sutherland chan and then yeah. now you're, you're you're past your licensing exam what's the what's the first move here
2: i got a funny story about the process to become an RMT in the first place was dance was still kind of up in the air. Um, You know, it was gig to gig and I had exams, midterm exams, I should say. Um, My last term, I thought I could do this performance in LA on the weekend and Monday come my midterms. I thought I could pull it, pull it off. And I mean, Sutherland Chan is, is very dedicated to, uh, to excelling um, RMTs or Potential rmts so they mean business with their midterm exams, and I underestimated it i said guys i 'll be back i 'm leaving Friday afternoon, be back monday early monday morning um, i 'll be set for the midterms i 'll study at the airport on the airplane during rehearsals when i 'm not doing much. I failed on both levels i i, I didn 't do well with uh, with the performances because i was all I was thinking about was 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 the sciatic nerve and <laughs> an internal external rotation of what hip what and um, and then when I came to Toronto to then do my midterm exams I was exhausted and uh, I like I say my exam was at 8 30 in the morning I arrived at the airport at 7 15 and that whole week was very difficult and I failed most of my midterm exams now I had a very, very great supportive uh, team of instructors and uh, I've dedicated a lot of time into Sutherland Chan at that point. So they said, you know what, Chris, this is going to suck for me to tell you this and suck for you to even try to do this, but you need to give up dance right now to focus on graduating. First off, passing. Mm -hmm. And we will tutor you. We will dedicate our lunch hours to do that if you cut dance off.
1: Like completely, and
2: yes. So not no teaching, no gigs, no classes, no rehearsals, nothing, nothing. And this is a twenty-three-year-old, twenty-four-year-old. Sorry, at I guess in was like in his dance prime years. Mm-hmm. All I did was live, eat, breathe, dance. Tell you're telling him to stop, It's just so you can
1: graduate. Initial reaction before you made the decision. When they told you that initially, did you feel anger? Did you feel they were right? Were you like, no fucking way? Maybe I'm going to have to give up massage. What was your initial thought right there? I actually,
2: surprisingly, my initial thought was, okay, I accept. So you were
1: that in love with the idea of being a therapist, that you were willing to give up dance?
2: I'd, I would say no, but I'll say yes to the fact that these instructors gave, would give up their time. To mentor me, to graduate. So it was less. It was less about me, more about them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to disappoint mm-hmm. them because they were offering me and helping me to pass. And that's a connection right there. That's connection probably number one. Is that they were giving me a chance, and I don't want. I didn't really want them to be disappointed. It's if it's about sacrificing one thing and like dance. I'm totally willing to do that. And I could see why they're doing that. It's because there's, there was, and is, sorry, uh, a better future for me to just put some time, four months only, by the way, four months of my time just dedicated to the studies of being an RMT. I do those four months. It wasn't hard to not dance. It was hard to continuously stay in school and get my marks from what it was like at 60% all the way up to like 85. And I, I've, I've, as soon as I finished my exam and as soon as I heard that I was gr- I was graduating, it felt like I just conquered Mount Everest because that was such a difficult climb. Like I wouldn't really call myself a good student. <laughs> it's really hard for me to sit in class to, to listen to things back then anyway. Um, but for me to do that and to dedicate my, my every single day to being mentored and tutored by these awesome instructors, it was, it was worth it. That's really
0: cool of them to do, man. Yeah. yeah. Like, I remember when I was in uh, – I went to CCMH, Canadian College of Massage and Hydrotherapy, and I was, uh, I was like a mid-90s student. Like, I used to do examinations, like midterms and finals, multiple choice exams, and I would finish them in, like, 15, 20 minutes. Like, that that was my – and it was always a game with me to how fast can I finish it this time. Like, yeah. so that way I can just walk out through my pencil and just, like, have a Barney Stinson exit kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because we watch a lot of sitcoms
0: (laughs) because he always has a really cool exit. Anyway, this one time because I used to work late and I used to work early in the morning that I totally slept through this this exam, the start point of this exam. And so I get there late. I get there 15 minutes late and now they won't let me write this test. I'm like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? Like, I got a 95 fucking average now. I don't want to mess that up. They're Like, no, you can't write this test. I'm like, why? They're like, because you're late. I'm like, but has anyone left yet? They're like, no, no one's left yet. I'm like, well, let me write the fucking test. There's like, I don't have, There's no advantage. Nothing there. could have been compromised. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so they're like, okay, you can. I'm, I had to plead with them. I'm like, let me write this test, and I guarantee you, I will probably finish this test before the first person finishes there, and I'm starting 15 minutes late. And they said, okay, you, you can write it in the office. Mother- yes, I was. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I'm I still just joking. anyway. So they <laughs> send me into the separate office. I write this test. I finish it before anyone still has exited. They won't mark it now. They're Why? like, sorry, we're not going to mark the test. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? It's oh. like, you're late. We're not marking this test. I'm like, what? W- what? Uh, uh. They're like, you have to petition for this test to be graded now. You're kidding. No, dead serious. I'm like, motherfuckers. And, <laughs> and this school is saying like, hey, man, we we'll, these instructors here will give up their lunch time. We'll give up this. And I had to fucking petition to I have just, a test. I don't credit. understand
1: the power tripping. I got to be honest with you. Like, There's certain times where people need – um, I guess, discipline, for lack of a better term. There's certain times where, you know, if it's somebody who's chronically late, somebody who chronically disrupts the class, like those kinds of things. Yeah, you know what? You suffer for your consequences. You're going to punish a student with a 95 average. Never late. Never ne- they because he showed up 15 minutes. You know, shit happens. Life happens. What if that morning his dog died? Right. Like, you know, I'm... Right. I don't like dogs, Mark doesn't man. even like animals. <laughs> but what if something had happened? Right. Like you never know. And your solution is, I'm not going to grade your test yeah. because of something as arbitrary as a 15 minutes. Yeah. Wow. I don't understand that shit. It's fucked up. I like why? Why are people thing? trying to create roadblocks for people? Right, it makes no fucking sense right. in the world to Bruce me. Is-
0: The experience that you had. Well,
1: even I thought where I thought you were going with this, when Mark (laughs) was an instructor, I know uh, for a fact that I did not see him on many Saturday mornings because he would go in to help uh, the students who were going into OSCE prep. Yes. He'd go in and do extra tutoring for them free of charge, wasn't getting paid by the school, taking up his own time just to help students who needed a little bit of extra help before they were finishing. Right. And... I would constantly say to him like, like mother Teresa, what's happening here? You know, like, why do you do But he cared so much about just like, it sounds like your instructors did cared so much about yeah. his students being successful.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's I, really cool. I kind of, I kind of look at it like they, they did see potential in me for sure, and they saw me as an investment. And even up to today, I still keep in contact with those instructors and, um, I call them mentors because, you know, I'm forever grateful of that time that they've spent with me. And, you know, I think it's, I just want them to feel like it was worth their time nine years Mm -hmm. later. And, um, and so as soon as I finished my last exam, I called and text, I don't know, every single choreographer I knew. And I said, I'm out. It's like I came out of prison or something. (laughs) I'm free. I'm liberated. Uh, Get me every possible gig or let me audition for every possible gig that's out there and uh you know there's that uh three four maybe five month stint where you're waiting for your mcqs and oskies and then you gotta yeah. wait for your license um it was a summertime summer 2011 no 2010 2010, yeah, and that was a magical summer because i booked every single gig possible which wasn't a lot but it was a lot for me at the time and uh, I I actually felt like I was ready as a and prepared as a dancer. I felt like I earned it. And I was also hot off the press from Sutherland Chan's uh, exams and mm-hmm. you know I just finished and and did well for my MCQs and OSCEs. I had this I had a big head. I I went into I went into that summer thinking that I was uh, what was the word? I invincible and I set myself up of uh, to, to work at this clinic um, that was kind of up downtown Toronto anyway. So it was, it was a really cool place and really, uh, really gave me the opportunity. And I was like, great. And as soon as I got my license, that first week was was like, okay, I'm not really booked. That's fine. They'll come. <laughs> Second week, no. Okay. Maybe I'll market myself a little bit, but I'm Chris dulles Reyes, right? They're, they're coming. They're they, coming. I, I performed on Much, much Music Video Awards. <laughs> like, they probably saw me, right? <laughs> <laughs> of
1: course they will. These motherfuckers see me dance. Yeah, you're wanna, the dancing therapist. Who's not going to come? Exactly.
2: <laughs> Two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Here we go. I'm not booked at all. And I'm thinking, oh, crap. This is... I got to work for this. And all these... All, this, This whole situation was very similar, this humbling experience was very similar to when I went to LA. And when I went to LA, thinking I was this bomb-ass dancer from Toronto, get humbled by these actual bomb-ass dancers in LA, yeah. I go into a world now filled with uh, kinesiologists, physios, chiros, who have been in the game for years. And they're wondering, you know, who is who is this kid? You right. know, RMT, uh, thinking that he's just gonna get booked whenever, wherever, so they didn't even refer me anyone, and I had to start. My ego had to go back down, and my work had to start back up, and that's when I humbled myself a lot. You know, nine years later, nothing like that anymore. And when I do capture some guys who start to start to sound like me when I was at that point, especially dancers who are turning into RMTs, mm-hmm. which I find like it's gonna be a it's gonna be a trend going to be
1: a thing, yeah, dancing arms yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 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 just kidding, and um and and I think when I hear their, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, I, I know that, no, 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 yeah, I know i'm gonna I'm gonna get booked eventually, it's like okay, when you're ready to listen i'll I'll be the first one to tell you I was there, I'm still learning, mm-hmm. but you gotta turn off this this ego that you got. I'm
1: looking at it I'm looking at it from a slightly different perspective. Like tell me you have to you have to have confidence. And I like the fact that in both things you decided to do, you went fucking head on with all the confidence in the world. And yeah, you described it as big headed or you had an ego, but you were obviously humble enough, like there has to be like an innate humbleness in you that as soon as you saw that, oh wait, I'm not the top of my game. I'm not the best there is. There are people that can teach me. You took it down a few notches and you were willing to actually learn and put in the work. So you have to have the confidence, but also the ability to recognize when like, okay, I need some fine tuning. So there are people who are not going to be able to be saved. There are people whose egos don't deflate. It's not a balloon. They're, you know, a big boulder of ego. You can't do anything with those people. Yeah. If you are somebody like yourself who's confident yet humble, then you can teach anything. Balance. Yeah. Yeah. Balance. Today's theme seems Do you know to be any bolder balanced. people? Do I know any bolder people? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I don't think I know boulder people. I think maybe indirectly know, like, you know, online people gotcha. that I've come across or you know oh, yes. there's always people that you're not going to change their mind or open up their minds and there's always people who think they know best that's fine I mean if if you stay within the little world that you're in of people who think that you know best as well then that's fine but I'm I very much admire people who have an open mind and who are able to say yeah I don't know as much as I thought I knew
2: yeah exactly
1: so yeah you're uh, you're dancing RMTs that are coming up. Some of them may be just like you and may realize that, you know, they have to work a little harder, but some of them, it may take the really hard lesson of failing
2: before. And that was it because no one actually humbled me but myself because a goal of mine was to get, say, booked for this week and it wasn't happening. So then I had to really check myself to see why aren't i and mm-hmm. that required a lot of reflection and, and a reflection in a sense where it's not blaming the studio or the clinic the time the snow people or clients mm-hmm. it was me i was right. the i was the common denominator and that resembled la uh the, my experience in la and i said well i can't let that happen again and i'm i'm really good at picking up uh faults and then try my best to correct it. Um, I think that's why dance is still a strong point of mine because if I'm not doing what the choreographer wants me to do, you will only learn from failure. And that's where I come in and say, okay, well, how was that move supposed to be? They Mm -hmm. show me, I'll never forget how to not do that again. But it's the same thing with uh, this profession. And, you know, there's, there's a few things that, there's a lot of things you want to do within your career, but uh, it might not fly the same or that easily. So you just adjust, you just adjust, and then you try different things. But if those things still don't work, then I take it upon myself to reflect a little bit more. Yeah, at 34 years old, I think that says damn, a you're lot not that too. much younger than me. I told you. I told you. <laughs> we
1: need was, to talk skincare later.
2: <laughs> I was waiting for that opportunity to say it, but. Yeah, I'm 34. Um but it's it's become sort of the uh, I guess part the humbling aspect has become part of my practice and I think that's why certain clients have remained with me because um when they are with me within that hour or what have you um I they say I teach them a lot about all the knowledge I've sort of gained as being an RMT. And not just being an RMT, but maybe just a, a healthcare advocate um, and a patient. And they'd say, you know what, um, why don't you talk about this more to the general public? And I was like, because it, there's no need to, unless I really want to kind of uh, expand this. And it just kept repeating itself over and over again. Say, people saying, you sh- you should, this would be helpful. And uh, that resembled the instructors who stayed you know, that who gave me their time, their free time to tutor me, these patients, these clients of mine were saying everyone else would benefit. So it was like, you know what? Yeah, you're, I think you're right. So cue in these projects and series that I'm putting on social media. And I, I feel I'm getting kind of a groove of it. Um, of how to do that, like what Mark's doing with these awesome podcasts. He does like two a week, guys. <laughs> She's <right laughs> or here with me. They both do two a week. That's yeah. crazy. I,
1: I may be behind the scenes sometimes, but oh. unfortunately, we are both living and breathing the podcast yes. <laughs> all day, every I mean, day. <laughs> you
0: kind of have to at, at some point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I'm actually loving it. I've never it's been serious. more busy in my entire life. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, we are so busy doing this, but it's so cool. And I'm going to make another connection. <laughs> it's it's oh, it's really cool just to actually be able to hear other people's stories and uh, learn about all the things that other therapists are doing. You know, as Mark always says, we it's we work in a very isolated type of profession yeah. in the sense that you're usually it's just you and your clients, right? Yeah. Um, but this has been really interesting to. Yeah. Get to talk to all these other therapists. Yeah,
0: and I learn a whole bunch of shit. Like for example, I had on I probably talked about this before, I had on this dude from is he from Texas? Robert Gardner. He does time massage yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and mat based work. Yes. And just from his podcast and watching some of his social media stuff, I'm like, I want to fucking go learn time massage. And so, and, then, and so we did. so we did. <laughs> we found a guy oh. in Toronto that teaches time massage. I'm like, do you do one-on-ones? He's like, Yeah. I'm like, cool. Can can I come by? And he's like, Yeah. So cool. Yeah. So I learned a lot doing this shit. But I'm yeah. really curious about your your career path, like the clinics that you were at. Like that first place where you know you're sitting there and you're not getting booked. There you feel like the clinic is not really helping you out this case. Is that a chain? Is that a mom and pop joint? What
2: what kind of what type of that? place
1: did you start out in? Was it multidisciplinary? Yes. So it
2: was and I still uh practice mostly in the downtown core. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a gym slash clinic. So the clinic aspect had well was a multidisciplinary clinic. Had a Cairo had a physio had a kinesiologist had me as the RMT. Mm -hmm. Um, but they were still building. They just went from one name of a a clinic to another. So complete management, um, facelift. And we pretty much had to start it from scratch. And here I was expecting to be booked and they were expecting me to book and, you know, it just didn't, it didn't go well. And after two months, I had the opportunity to uh, work for another multidisciplinary clinic slash gym um, at the Adelaide Club. And that's again of the downtown core. Yep. And they, they're all, they were the opposite of the first place, first um, clinic I was working at because they were already established. And then I just throw in sort of, this is who I am. Do, do I fit your model? Yes, okay, cool. And I was booking myself in, but I picked up a little bit more of a, you know, I'm going to work for my clients a little bit more. So I showed face. I worked out there. I, I hustled and I made sure I made nice with the trainers who then referred me. I made nice with the chiropractor who then referred me. And next thing you know, I am booked. And that took a few months um, because I actually dedicated my time to it.
1: Dedicated your time to planning. Sorry, course plug coming at you. Uh, one of the courses we, we teach is business. And we talk a lot. Uh, the first day of the course is about um, strategies, t- success strategies. And you touched on almost all of them, knowing yourself yourself knowing where you fit within the industry, right. um, that has to be step one. Right. And then making some st- sort of strategic plan, right. not just expecting that things are going to happen. Because at the end of the day, as you said, when things weren't happening, you could blame the weather, you can blame the location of the clinic, you can blame the type of clientele. No, at the end of the day, it is always on you. If you're not successful, in some way, it's your fault. And- the fact that you were able to figure that out on your own again is, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people are as introspective. It
2: is not. It it was challenging, and had I known this course existed then, um, in 2010,
1: <laughs> I uh, it it didn't exist for two more years. Sorry. <laughs> yeah,
2: it probably would have helped myself, but I know how that that program would definitely help a lot of new RMTs coming in and just trying to understand their place because. Um, I knew the clientele that I wanted to work with and I knew what type of treatments I wanted to provide.
1: And that's so important because when you when you go to school, as awesome as Sutherland Chan was, as awesome as those instructors are, they're teaching you what they're teaching everybody else, yep. right? And it's up to you to figure out how you're going to use all of this knowledge and turn yourself into a therapist.
0: So you found that you fit in well at the Adelaide Club, right? Yep. stuff that uh, your mode of therapy and then where where does your career path take you from there like how long are you there when do you decide you want to bolt
2: i'm quite selective of the places i work so i i stayed there for uh for about three to four years until until i actually got hired by the clinic i initially wanted to get hired by and that's where i'm currently at um on the side called medcan and that's again downtown core um, the reason why I like that aspect of their clinic is it's integrative and not only do they have a sports medical team with chiros and physios and kinesiologists and RMTs, but they have dietitians and, um, and, 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 uh, psychologists. And I know I sound like I'm plugging them. I'm really not, but that's, that was what I wanted to surround myself with because being in practice, I think at that point was four or five years, I started to realize that um, I'm not going to be able to 100% heal, fix, and complete my clients. And it needs, um, as much as we are, as RMT's healers, There's there are a few limits of what we can do that I can't talk about diet. I can't talk about psychology. I can't you know, so within our scope of practice, that's what I mean by our limits. So I liked working around these other specialists because then I could refer out and even just having lunch in the staff room with them, I gained so much knowledge just by them talking about Mm -hmm. what they cooked and why they cooked it and what's it for. And the psychologists are just so super brainy and like they literally are digging into every single person's psyche. And it's just like they're they're like, you know, Professor X, like, <laughs> is that his name? Professor Charles X. Yeah. yeah. And, um, Charles Xavier, Charles Xavier and, and, uh, I call it free education. <laughs> so yeah, it literally was around all these special specialties. Um, but I found that, uh, I would have colleagues RMTs as well that just would only stick with their own scope of practice and would keep it within themselves. Knowledge wise, they, weren't ready or willing to expand out. And I didn't think from my own practice and my clients that I thought that would be a disservice to them because if you can recognize something that of an issue within your practice, within your treatment, that they can actually benefit from a dietitian or a, or a psychologist or a naturopath or maybe even a chiro refer out. And that was the whole thing was, um, behind MedCan it was... This circle of care, mm-hmm. and um, and that's that's so big for me is this referral uh, system, and I I love being an RMT, but I also just love connecting with other specialists who can teach me, and also being a patient. That's why we were talking it's so funny because Amanda and I were talking about um healthcare benefits, and I was saying the reason why I got mine was yes, I was getting I I could get treatments uh which i need but i can also learn from these chiros and physios and acupuncturists and osteopaths and naturopaths um about what they can offer so free education yeah well not free education but <laughs> still paying monthly and it's quite a doozy but <laughs> um that was then and that's what led me to my own practice and my own practice is called holistic connection because of the connection aspect of con- you know referring out to other types of like-minded practitioners, specialists, physicians, practitioners. I said that already. (laughs) And what I learned from MedCan is, was great. They're a very integrative healthcare system, but it's, it's a little conventional. So I'm taking it back a little bit to be unconventional. And let's start talking about relationship health and sex therapy. And, And psychology in a sense where it's not just because mental health is such a broad term now. Mm -hmm. And there's so much, there's so many avenues you can go about that. And being an RMT, when you're in a treatment with someone, you can almost recognize where or if they need someone that's, that works within psychotherapy that can help them. And I have referred out and it's, it's, it's helped so much everyone. (laughs) So... I think that's why I involve myself with um, um, within my practice a little bit more than I do outside of my clinic. So MedCan, I've taken less days there uh, because I find that there's a lot more flexibility with my own practice. And I can dedicate a lot more time to, um, to understanding my patients rather than just a soap note. <laughs> I want to actually understand them because their pain or their chief complaint doesn't define who they are. And sometimes with all the knowledge gained, whether it be techniques or modalities, if there's no connection to your client, I don't think they, as a patient, would appreciate someone just kind of writing symptoms. Here's your recommendation or referral. Away you go. And what I also read was there was an article at the Adelaide Club about a very successful personal trainer who's had his clients for 10 plus years. And the, you know, he said basically it's these clients of mine don't come see me because I'm helping them achieve a fitness goal. It's because they like to be. With me for the yes. hour,
1: it's it's very That's, true. <laughs> like, um, you I, should you should really just actually come teach our course. Well, oh, <laughs> yeah. like, like We did it. Like, I'm My I'm really kind dropped. of
0: I'm, I'm kind of fascinated with some of the business coaches in the states because I don't see a ton of them here. Mm-hmm. And one of them is this guy Scott Linguist. Someone called him the rebooking master or something. The, like that.
1: Re, the god of rebooking, the godfather, the godfather of, rebooking. of rebooking. And that so was I him. just
0: kept saying that during the podcast because I really wanted <laughs> to stick for him. And he was pretty much saying, "There's a holy." Trinity, and if you've got these three things in place, you're you've got them rebooked. One, they gotta like you. And if they don't like mm-hmm. you, forget it. No. Right. Two, they got to believe things that you're telling them. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. whatever you're educating them with, they got to believe it. Yeah. And then three, they have to see value in the things that you're telling them. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, if you got those three things, boom, you're gold. Yeah. books, it, Like, those, no problem. Yeah. Something
1: I try to push on um, therapists who I work with that I'm, you know, that I'm trying to help them in terms of building their business is if you're not genuine, people see through that immediately. Sure. Like, not, nobody is going to want to stick with you if you don't even believe what you're saying. Right. Right. So you don't have to sell a goddamn thing. Right. If you believe in what you're doing. Yeah. Because people will see how passionate you are about it. And if you are attracting like-minded people and you're genuine with them and the treatment recommendations you're giving them are really based on what's good for them. Yeah. You don't have to ask them to rebook. They're going to be saying like, okay, when am I supposed to come back?" They're looking at you as the guru. Like, "Tell me what to do, and I'm going to do right. it." Yeah. So, just keep it real. Yeah, exactly. Just keep
2: it
0: real. Just so, keep you it real. you have your solo practice along with Medcan, right? That's yes. the part-time gig. Yeah. What do you find the most difficult part about having your solo practice?
2: Um, it work doesn't stop after you treat. <laughs> it's it's consistently um, following up with your clients uh, because I genuinely want to know how they are two, three, four, five a week, maybe days after their treatment. Because I've I also found that they're most likely not going to reach out to you and say, "Hey, the treatment was great" or "It wasn't great." I think we still you have to take this is a practice. So, and this is a practice that I want to provide is consistent care now when your clientele grows how do you still manage to follow up with them that's that's the challenge i'm faced with right now it's not a bad um, challenge to have by the way yeah yes, i have so
1: many so clients old, i can't so keep up much. with the <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to sound
2: like that no no but, no, but you so... didn't
1: sound like that but that's exactly as mark said this is an awesome problem to have
2: yeah, yeah and i love to educate as well and I love to talk about the things I'm learning now because like you said the human body is so interesting and there's so much to learn and it's Mm -hmm. continuous you know growth with what you know like the the weekend uh I just did a workshop and it was multiple aha moments and you know I think that was what I was missing in in the last three four years of you know my practice and my techniques (laughs) <laughs> needed an upgrade or mm-hmm. needed something else other than what I was doing. And um, and now I'm really excited again to show that to my clients and say, Hey, you know, could we try something new? And, you know, they're, they're falling in love with the treatments as, as well as I am. So sometimes I feel like I'm the patient being the therapist and um, it's invigorating when you can learn more and more. I, I just have a genuine interest to, uh, to understand people And, um, and, and sometimes that is also just, it's going to require a lot of reading. And like, like Angelito said, I mean, I won't sleep till three o'clock in the morning doing education, but, um, I'll find ways to listen to the podcast to stay connected, like your, your podcast and, uh, stay understanding of the other RMTs that are out here and their mindsets. And, um, and then there's social media, you know, that's, that's a whole different ball game of trying to stay connected and then there's just your own um, readings of whether it's, you know, reviewing anatomy or, or, or research. And, uh, and then there's just, there's so much. And um, it is, when you have your solo practice, there's a lot to do, but I honestly wouldn't trade anything for it because it's, it's my way of being creative within a, within a, um, within massage therapy of something that really can either disrupt change or upgrade or evolve it because as soon as I found out that massage therapy can do so much than just put you to sleep I I was like game on like there's this knowledge is something I want to share but I'm still gaining and I want to just keep sharing and I know you can't see my my hand details. As a dancer, I'm always moving. And, um, I
1: love when people do actions when they're on the podcast. Sometimes I do tell the people like, by the way, this is what's happening right now.
2: (laughs) Um, so my hands are flailing guys. You can't, you can't (laughs) see this, but, uh, there's, there's always something to say about, um, your own practice and people, whether they are tired at the end of the day and people ask my clients anyway, will ask, aren't you tired? Aren't you, you know, the question, aren't mm. your hands... Don't your do? hands
1: hurt? When I massage my boyfriend for five minutes, my hands exactly. hurt. exactly. <laughs> and Why do my clients sound like that? Oh, my God. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you don't really sound like that. <laughs>
2: so, mine do. <laughs> but um, I was, I was going to say, it's I, I tell them, it, it, nothing's ever tiring if you actually love it. Um, and it, it will get tiring, obviously, like 12 hours of massaging. No thanks. But I, at the end of the day, feel... Like I connected with some real people, um, some clients, some some colleagues. Heck, whoa, that was 10 hours? I couldn't even tell. It's
1: true. And I mean, like you said, when you, when you got into the profession, the flexibility attracted you. That was a huge pull for me. Mark was one of the first RMTs I ever talked to yeah. when I was considering becoming an RMT. And he, same thing, I definitely credit him for sort of selling me on this whole thing. He said... I've got the most stress-free life in the world. Like my clients like me. I don't take work home with me. I work the hours I want to work. I'm like, right. well, where do I sign? Like, what what am I doing? <laughs> and the flexibility attracted me. And now that we are running the businesses, you know, I still have my practice. We're teaching at Con Ed. We've got the podcast. I, I work 100% of the time, Yes, as does Mark. Between, you know, dealing with my kids and being here, we work all the time. But it's not like this type of work that I just can't wait to go home and like drop. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't know. I still feel like it's, it's meaningful and I like what I'm doing and... I'm not even so much concerned about the number of hours. Right. Whereas when I worked at a company on salary, I would every so often calculate how much I actually made per hour based on my salary and all of the overtime I did. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, this is not worth it. Yeah. If I did that here, maybe not worth it, but I love it. So it's it's fine. I hear it. Yeah. I hear you. So that being said, tell me
0: about the worst place you worked at and what made it the worst place. <sighs>
1: You don't have to use one names.
2: place. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> or you one, can one place that looked very appealing on paper and by paper I mean social media.
0: Okay.
2: I got I was I just saw the glitter and I was like I want in in this clinic. It's it's so different and casual. Um and then I got in there and I stayed there for a few years and I started to notice that that's all it was was just glistening from the outside, mm-hmm. but the health care aspect from the inside wasn't there at all. Mm-hmm. so my values and their values didn't match, and I struggled to stay within that because they 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 were are are hot they're a hot commodity, but not a hot commodity in healthcare like it's it's so strange to hear. When this clinic says that they're the only place you should go for anything uh, about the body Mm -hmm. rehab, we are the best in the game. And as soon as you have that type of mentality, you've already lost because now you're, you're, you're dismissing all the other potential care that's out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And. They have a formula of how they treat, and that formula was the only formula you can have. And I just didn't like that. And when I would hear… Is it a formula that works, though, or no? It works. The majority of the time with I the always, majority of people? A lot of things work, but right. to a certain percentage for that individual slash client slash patient. Right, right. Um, heck, meditation can work. Sixty percent for someone that is a Type A, stressed Wall Bay Street kind of guy, yep. but someone that lives up in the mountains probably, you know, already doing that two percent. So I think everything can help, but they were quite firm on this is this is the way. This and, is our
0: brand. This is
2: the way. we And do that's it. our brand. And it was it was a branding technique, and yeah. and uh, I had to be that as well, and I just. I couldn't compromise my values for something that I felt like was cheating the public. And if there was a... Did you... you, Sorry. Did you buy into it at all? Or
0: as soon as you walked in and you realized, oh, this is what it is, you're like, fuck, I I can't deal with this.
2: In the beginning, I bought into it because um, it was... (laughs) You know, it was so shiny. <laughs> it, was
0: a, it was a cool place to be.
2: Very cool place. And it was very unconventional of where right, right, right. Um, I was originally and still they, am, actually. They did
1: branding really, really well. Yeah. And that can definitely cloud your vision when you see, like you said, the shininess. Yes. But I, I really agree with you. And before I run away, for everyone listening, I am running away because I have children to pick up from school. Um something that you said really makes a lot of sense to me i really i really can't get behind anybody who doesn't see that their way isn't the only way so I'm really I, I I can understand going into a place like that where they're like you know you have to do it like this this is what we do this is what works. I don't think I would last in a place like that very long either.
0: I mean it's no different than going to a spa working in a spa and saying and they say this is what we do here please don't. And stray how from long this. did I
1: work in a spa? I know I'm just saying It's
0: like <laughs> this is what our this is what our clientele is expecting and mm-hmm. then therefore we're going to deliver on this. The best
1: yeah and, and it, there's people that are going to buy into it but yeah. what all I was saying is I agree with Chris where. If you've got the type of personality where you want this holistic yeah, approach, yeah. and you, you know, you you value the connections. Wow, I'm just you know putting it all together here. It's <laughs> you contagious. You value the connections, <laughs> and you know you understand that there is a place in the industry and, and within healthcare for all different types of therapies. And yeah. you're not egotistical enough to think that you are the be all end all. I love that about. People, and those are the type of people I want to work with. So I'm with you. We could work together uh-huh. on that note. I'm just I'm curious. Leaving I, <laughs> I kind of think I know uh, the
0: company you're talking about. And I'm just curious. Is it an ego thing or is it just a branding thing?
1: Or is it that they truly believe it? Because I think there are people who really, really, really believe that this is what works. Well, that's and inside? Yeah. is it an ego?
0: Was it an ego thing or was it a branding thing? Both, both,
2: both. Okay. I think the, the branding almost became part of the ego mm, gotcha. and it, you know, to the general public, they liked that there. It was, it's kind of like, you know, seeing LeBron James mm-hmm. or Tiger, well, not Tiger Woods, but let's, let's just stick with a great boxer. Probably is like uh Floyd, yeah. you know, he, he's, he's, he's quite cocky. We all know him, but he he is quite great as well but uh it it almost becomes a brand like his what is realize. his brand's name Mon- make money team money or something i mean that's just screams like ego right <laughs> 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 so that that was i mean not to kind of put them in parallel but that that disappointed me because there would be a patient that would come in drop a, a walk in let's just say who doesn't have an amazing following on Instagram maybe. And he's a father of two or three and he started bench pressing. Cause he just wants to keep up with his, with carrying his kids and he injured his shoulder and he comes in. Can you, can anyone help me? And I, I was certainly booked. So I had to ask, you know, the, the person that held, held the whole thing together and he denied him just because he didn't have a following. And oh, wow. I was like, Oh wow. I was like, what? Yeah. But, but, but he needs it and he's like, Uh, you know, I got I got stuff to post. I got I got I got. Oh, so to like talk branding
1: to. was the most important. Right.
2: Branding first, then healthcare second. Okay.
1: And now it makes a lot more sense. It's yeah. not just about the way the type of therapy they were providing. No, it sorry, was about the fact that the therapy wasn't even always there. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. On that, note, On that note, take care guys.
0: Thanks Amanda, it was nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can I can definitely see how that would be
2: not a very pleasant work experience, especially for someone like you, man, who's super self-aware. Yeah, thanks. It gave me the opportunity to to do something of what I'm doing right now anyways is is building, I guess building my brand, but it's happening quite organically. It's it's happening slowly, but it's happening organically in a sense where um, I wanna make sure that everything is authentic and real and, and informative and educational to the public as well as uh also attracting who are like minded individuals in the game and you know, it's fun when you're actually sticking with your values yeah. within your practice. Oh no, that's a huge part of it. That's yeah. that's
0: that's the thing that makes you just wanna you're you're in it for the long game. I and, think so. Yeah, and that that's a huge component to it. Definitely. Yeah. So where do you want to take this whole thing, man? Where where do you want to go with it? How 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 big of a monster do you want to be, or are you, or or is that not part of the deal?
2: Uh, I initially wanted a big monster of maybe a space and a community where, uh, you know, there were other there are other uh, specialists in this holistic world that can provide their services and care, um, and I wanted to take this, you know multiple places but I think that's why I've slowed it down my movements and uh sorry my progression is because I didn't really sit well because I do want I I want it to be a little bit maybe more small town and um I live downtown Toronto where everything's quite fast-paced and um there are you know a lot of pop-up shops you know within either be clinics or or fitness gyms or anything like that popping up. And I mean, there's so much, uh, glossiness that has to happen with that as well. Not all of them, but that doesn't attract me anymore. And that's what I initially wanted to do. And I think I just want to have kind of a small little space that shares a more quality type of care and attention. And, um, and whether it be on a you know like maybe suburban city or suburban part of toronto or in costa rica on a beach front. <laughs> it'd be so That'd amazing be the, yeah, yeah just to connect to other like-minded individuals but to also build a community that is like all influenced by natural health care and and we could just talk versus communicate on social media and and just sit down and connect because i think that's a healing experience as well for most people is just uh, i treat a lot of people who are quite isolated within their work and sometimes even at home um, and they come to see me and you know it, we we converse um, a, a, about a lot of things and you know i've had to watch a few movies I probably pr- would never want to watch but because they watch it and they're so passionate about it I want to see what's up so now I know what Mary Poppins is what's about what's <laughs> men never used to be part of that world but I guess I am now and you know wasn't a Big Bang Theory kind of uh, guy and now I am right like Bazinga so <laughs> so I I like I like the fact that the organic progression of my industry, uh, sorry, of my career has taken its time. Because had I actually jumped into, you know, getting a real estate space in downtown Toronto, paying the the rent that it is now, I'd probably, you know, where I'm at now would probably say, "Ouch! I don't know if this is what I want to do anymore." And, so I'm taking I'm taking really slow organic steps, but at the same time I'm not rushing it. So
0: with your slow steps, have you ever have you ever hit a point where you're like, oh, or, or or something's hit you so hard you're like, fuck, I don't know if I even want to continue doing this? Or have you have you never had one of those moments where you think I can't do this or I don't want to do it? I want
2: to pack this in. I always wanted to have my own space. Yes, to answer your question, only because like every other human being and confessing right now is I I'm scared that it might fail and I've never actually built something from the ground up and that's kind of scary to someone who hasn't gone to or hasn't finished university um has always sort of been kind of uh had to learn things just from trial and you know trial and error and with building a business, uh, there are a lot of trial and errors that I'm accepting now. And it has happens to be, a. it's safer when you're going slower, but at the same time, the goals that you have aren't being met. So you're trying to find a balance of like, okay, maybe I got to rush this a little bit, maybe take a, a bill faster pace. And that's what I'm actually doing now is keeping, um, keeping a faster pace, but, I'm being mindful of the steps I'm taking and very careful of the people who I'm talking to, and that's why I chose this to talk like, on this. <laughs> like
0: you seem, you seem real methodical now. Yeah, compared to 22 20 going 10. to LA. Yeah. Uh, oh, 22 years old. 22 years LA, old. Yes. Right. So, like, do you, do you still do you ever feel like you wish part of you was that fucking that 22 year old kid who would just go for it? Absolutely.
2: And, Absolutely, that twenty-two-year-old kid was just—he—he huh, he still had some—he still waited, but he waited way too long. So he just said, "All right, just gonna jump." Right. And it's kind of like if—if if you envision someone that's you know has never swam before in the deep end and is just or on a cliff maybe, and they're just like, "I don't know, I don't, I don't know." Three four years later, you're like, yeah. "I don't know, I've—I've I've waited way too long. I'm just gonna go." And then you jump. That's kind of what i'm feeling right now i'm like just about to jump in um i have to understand that you know there will be some failures in here and there but um i got some really cool clients and i got some really cool colleagues and really cool people i'm networking with and um you know things fail I, i i know i'm gonna get um a lot of knowledge and a lot of understanding of why what how can i make this better yeah for sure and i'm gonna embrace it but I have to remember, and this is, I think, my motivate motivating force is thinking about the others. And that's the same thing that happened with the instructors at Sutherland Chan. I thought about them more than me. I was like, I don't want to disappoint them. I'm going to take that. And then putting these series on social media or talking and educating more about what I know as an RMT, I did that because my my... Clients were like, you know, you should probably share this knowledge. This is really good. So I started doing that now, and I think right now the way I'm looking at it is like, how about all the people that I can really reach out to and enrich their lives with um being healthier and just being connecting as well to themselves and to people? And because um, once upon a time, someone told me that if you are not um, using your talents or or skills that is doing a disservice to the world mm-hmm. and I told you that actually that was an old uh, dance teacher of mine I think he saw a lot of talent in a lot of his students who were scared to just give it their all in a class and you'd find a lot of people in a, a dance uh, studio where these students would just hold back and that would actually create a lot of problems in their movements because you can tell that they were holding and Dance is one of those, like it, it needs to, it doesn't start with the feet. It starts with your, it starts with your soul. It starts with your heart. So if you're, if you're in it and when they say there's terms like, Oh, he's living or she's, she's living. Like, this is what they mean is just like they're, they're going for it. And like, they're not thinking about it. any consequence. They're just dancing. And we're probably a lot in our heads these days. So it's, it's kind of why, that's kind of why I meditate as well. And it, it it's been helpful to the point of clearing my mind and not being completely congested and above my eyebrows. <laughs> 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 but I, I do enjoy the, um, the aspect of seeing, um, seeing Mark, uh, you yourself building, you know, a podcast and a platform that other RMTs can talk about, you know, what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's it's so cool to see something like that. And I'm thinking, you know what? We got to do it because there, are, there aren't a lot of RMTs that are doing cool things and outside <laughs> of their a, treatments.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of people that are starting to do a lot of yeah, cool stuff, noticing which I'm that. so happy for, man. Yeah. It's like you guys all just like, I. I Just bust out of it. Just go for it. You know, in my mind, and I've said this before on the podcast, maybe I'm delusional. I don't think I'm under the impression that nothing is fucking impossible, right? At the end of the day, either I win or I learn. Yeah. And so there's no failure. Awesome if I win, if I win, awesome. And if I don't, I've learned something. That's even better. Yeah. And then for me as well, I give everything away. So, I, I, was it with Angelita? I don't remember because Angelita was talking about the idea of how he always needs to replenish his knowledge, and that's why he's always doing school because his in his mind he's like, if I just if I'm constantly giving giving giving, I'm losing losing losing. So I got to refill my I got to refill the tank. Yeah, is what he said. And so I'm kind of of that same boat where I feel like I give I. Want want to give away every fucking idea I've ever had because then that makes me creative. That makes me come up with new shit. Yeah. We talk about this a lot in our business course when you're standing on that cliff and yeah, there's 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 definitely got to be some strategy involved into it, but at the end of the day, if this is something you know you want to do, then at some point you just got to pull the trigger and yeah. but, you know, not a, not a close your eyes, pull the trigger, but right. that fucking mean girl and just go and yeah. go
2: full fucking force. Yeah. 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 I mean, I could tell you that they were performing wise, there'd be more than half of the time I pulled the trigger, closing my eyes. And I look back at those moments thinking, I wish I had that performance back because it would have felt so good to get off stage and just have said, I gave it everything. But I was always concerned of how dumb do I look doing this movement, really? or how silly do I look? You're right, exactly. You know, there's these <laughs> confessions of a dancer, but you know, there's there's always concern of of looking worse than the um, other amazing dancers surrounding you at the moment. Is this a common thing with
0: with dancers? I'm or not sure. The
2: and the psychology of dancers is so interesting because there are, I think, just either born to or have had to adapt. To the to to being completely no inhibition whatsoever, and just live on stage and just perform the fuck out of that song. Yeah, and when I when you see a dancer just just live in their moment, like sometimes they have their eyes closed, they don't care who's around. It's it's captivating as an audience member because you're like wow. But at the same time, for me, it's like wow. I wish I could. Right, and so. The other, maybe 25% of the time I performed in my whole career where I did live in the moment, those are the ones that I can say, this was, they're so memorable. <laughs> and you almost want to do it over and over and over again. I think that's why dancers still dance till like they're, you know, yeah, yeah, until they can't. Yeah. Those moments are really special because not only is it like a dance related situation, it's all, it translates to life. And it's like, okay, I feel like I could you know, conquer uh, a, a awkward conversation with maybe someone that I, I don't want to have. Like it makes you feel more, it's empowering. Yeah, That's yeah, the yeah. word it's empowering. And um, I I haven't had an empowering moment with, uh, with my massage um, industry until as of late, because I'm not giving a fuck <laughs> mm-hmm. and be the less I'm caring about how this is going to come off. And like give just, me an
0: example of something that you, please, you, Give okay. me an example. Yeah, you give me an example of something that, like, you know, where you would have been a little bit more reserved on before, but now you're not reserved on it. You don't give a fuck, and now it's paying off a little
2: bit differently for you. Talking about and educating people about muscles, for instance, that's so simple, right? We could, as RMTs, probably, you know, we've – Anatomy is like our – it's like it's like our foundation, so we, sh- we should know anatomy quite well. Um, I always hesitated because I was thinking of all the – the uh, the chiro's and the physios that know anatomy better. You think they do exactly, <laughs> exactly. And the more you get into your pro your 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 practice, you start to realize like, no, that's that's we're all either equal or you know what you previously thought was incorrect. Yeah, so for sure now now I'm thinking like, why did I lo- I lost out so many years of just wanting to educate people. Um, That could probably have helped them, and now I'm just like, no. I've invested my time. I touch this all the time (laughs) in my practice. I I study it. I'm no. It's it's definitely a confidence thing now. And but it it should have been should have been. I don't want to say that, but it you know it really deterred me from um, wanting to say anything because I felt other people knew more than I did. But people will always know more than you. Does that mean you can't share what you actually do know, whether it's whether it's little or medium or a lot. It's gonna help someone, it's going to inform someone, and it's going to in I guess it's it what builds is more of an interest to people if they're not really concerned about what you're saying they're building an interest because you're so passionate about it exactly. and that i am and yeah you know heck like what does the pronator terry's do well I'll, let me tell you like <laughs> if you didn't have a pronator what would your hands do you could barely handshake like it would be so funny to do a skit pretending like you don't have a pronator terry's right <laughs> and, like do your daily routine in life like scratch your butt you know s- uh, like high five someone try to do that in like perma supination (laughs) and then explain to people why your pronator is so important. And they're like, ah, okay. You're funny. I'm educated. I like this guy, Chris, I'm gonna stick with him. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I'm having so much fun with it. And, but at the same time, just to kind of bring it all back, massage therapy was to me just, you know, a form of I thought it was luxury. I thought it was a luxury thing. Rich people do. <laughs> and I thought also it was a nice way for you to fall asleep because that's what my mom would do if I was sick. Other than that, I didn't know what massage therapy can offer. And as I get into it, um, into my ninth year of practice, uh, it's it's propelled me into so many uh, directions in my life that is so fun. And yeah. like I've traveled with it and I've... I've, I've met so many cool people. Where have have you traveled Um, so I've been to Costa Rica and, um, going to, uh, I'm going to retreat this, uh, April to Jamaica to be treating. Um, and I, you know, that's a, that's a really cool situation just because they're going to be surrounded. Well, first off it's Jamaica and second, it's, it's going to be a situation where I think, environment health and and physical health and mental health meets and that's really cool and I want to just kind of in my practice I love to find just being in the moment as I would be in dance and I do when I'm treating I, I get so like I get I get so mental with it and not in a bad way but the clients they they really feel when I've Given my one hundred one percent versus my one hundred percent, and I'm always aiming for that one hundred and one percent with my treatments because I want to get that too. Do you do you ever do you ever
0: have those days where, oh man, can't can't do a hundred percent? Not
2: there. I'm not there mentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you do on those days? Then it becomes work, yeah. um, and it becomes a situation where I have to divert the thought process that it's right now. It's not about me. And it's about my client right now on the table. For one, not only are they um, they're not only are they paying for this service, that's not important. It's the fact that they made the time for you. They could be anywhere else, but they made the time for you. They trust you. Are you going to allow certain parts of your day, whether it started bad or good, to affect this treatment? And I'm not perfect, we're not perfect, so we're going to have our bad days. Does that affect my treatments? I think so yes it it has and it's but it's willing to understand that it how to minimize that as much as possible and if there's a point where you actually can't, could I be open enough to tell my client? Th- like, Hey, I apologize right now. Um, you could just give me one minute to just reset myself. I yeah. want to come back dedicated and all my focus towards you. But right now I don't think I can. So just give me a minute. You know, anything could have happened. I get a call from family members, something sad. So I'll need a minute or even like I'll need a day. And I think being real with them that way has always been like the, um uh, my foundation for my practice has always been just keep it real. If like you're not feeling it, don't always tell people like, you know what client, I know you're on the table, but like, I didn't win the lottery today. So I'm kind of upset. Like <laughs> you don't have to share everything. It's, it's more just, if you notice that this is actually really, uh, affecting your treatment to provide for your client, take a step back and whether you could do that right then and there, if you can't literally take a step back. And go. that's what I practice. Right. Away. Yeah. Since you brought
0: up the lottery. If you won the lottery
2: yeah. tomorrow, Good
0: millions, or are you still doing this RMT stuff? Yes.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. I I love that question because I've asked myself that too. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't play the lottery. Um. Mm-hmm. But there was a situation where I had to I had to buy a lottery ticket for my mom, and she plays a lottery all the time. One day she'll win maybe, but she she was just like, you know what? Here's extra five dollars. Go get your t- yourself a ticket. And I was like, you know what? I'm thirty something. I'm gonna go buy my first ticket. I know, eighteen years old. Is when no, you first know what? Getting. I totally get it because I don't play the lottery on yeah. it ever, ever. Yeah, ever. Like I
0: don't even know what to do. Yeah, I I show up and uh, I have to tell Amanda. Like, tell me what to tell the guy. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't
2: even know what to fucking say. <laughs> <laughs> what no How many numbers do I pick? Up to what? Okay, but if I if I won a million or how many million? So wait, 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 wait. You Aha. have to buy a ticket for your mother, right. and she yes. gives you extra to get a ticket. Yes. And and, and I, I, I bought myself
0: a ticket. Okay. Um, Did you deep down, you're like, I'm going to win this. I'm going to win this. Don't lie. Did you feel like that? I think we all think that way, right? I don't know. Like 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 does your mom really think every ticket she buys is a winner, or does she know? Like, okay, this is a chance. I feel like when people don't play the lottery, and the one time they do, they're like,
2: I'm gonna fucking win (laughs) this. I'm gonna win (laughs) this. And they check out the numbers and it's like, oh gosh, I should have played and I didn't. I should play every single week. It's like she well, she she does. She plays every single week for how many years, but um, I think we all should start to think we were winners somehow, (laughs) some way. No, I, I obviously didn't win, but if I did, wow, I would take, I would take this, this practice and I maybe not so much call it an like RMT practice, but like just, just a a wellness practice maybe and take it maybe international or just, like I said, humbly take it maybe to a Costa Rican beach front and, and connect with like the, the people that cut coconut, uh, Coconut and just and serve it after their treatment. I don't know. It's we've got to get creative with that. There. It's uh, and then and then maybe build a build a wellness space out in out in the Costa Rica or Australia or wherever is nice.
0: I find it interesting that you you would you would uh, full on em, embrace the RMT side with the millions that you have and not be like. Fuck all this. I'm gonna go pursue the dance. Show. I'm gonna
2: pursue <laughs> dance again. I'm sure one can make six to seven figures being an RMT. Um, I one of my instructors, uh, is and that was motivating in the beginning, mm-hmm. but this career has enriched me in many ways. Money can't, and if the $30 million that I've won means I can't connect anymore the way I am connecting with my clients. Yeah. It's so crazy to say this, but I wouldn't take that 30 million. <laughs> I would use that 30 million to find a better way to connect with people. You were meant to do this, man. Thank you. Man. You were
0: definitely meant to do this. Thank you.
2: But that's why I think that word connect is a big part because selfishly I connect, I'm using massage therapy to connect to people. And I think the other this year I had to increase my rate by five dollars, and I I was telling my girlfriend I was like, "Are you like?" I was pacing back and forth. I was so nervous because I didn't want to do it. And she's like, "You haven't raised it for nine years. Like you have to increase it because inflation and all this." I was just like, "I know." Like uh," because my rate was quite low, and I was like, "You know, there's a reason why it's low because I could accommodate more people." And she's just like, "Yes, but we also have to be fair to you." And I was like. Right, (laughs) we do. And
0: and then some of these business coaches, they say it best because I feel like north of the border, there is – fucking shame that comes along with having a successful massage therapy business where you make money.
2: Right. And I,
0: I don't know why there's shame with it because guess what? If you can't make money, you can't keep your doors open and you can't help anybody. Right. Right. That's the bottom line. Right. So yeah. there shouldn't be any shame with making some money off. I,
2: t- I totally hear you, man. And yeah. I mean, it, I think to justify it, it's, it's, it's the knowledge you've gained through your practice and experience. It's, it's the time that you spend talking to other RMTs. It's it's a lot of things yeah. that youth now I can say, no, I'm going to charge. I'm going to ch- increase that by $5. Yeah. And, sure. and, and justify it in many ways. But I, I don't think any of my clients, after I told them I increased it, complained. Exactly. Yeah. And I've, I, they, I they'd be happy. Yeah.
0: To pay extra or pay your new rate. I shouldn't say extra, your new
2: rate. Yeah. And that's, that's great. Um, you know, we'll, we'll increase will increase a lot more than just the finances, right? Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll increase the opportunity to, to do something more and more exactly. and more, not just for them, but for ourselves. It's, it's gotta be 50, 50 and exactly. loving the fact that it's, uh, it's, it's also allowing me to, um, take courses that, you know, cost money and, yeah. um, which I know, Mark, I'm ready to take, your, <laughs> <laughs> take your offer on the joint moves there. <laughs> and that'd be great to, um, to, ki- cause it, it's, it. It's back and forth, like whatever you're, like Angelito said, like you, you know you're replenishing a lot of this what you're learning, and then you're offering and you're giving that to your clients the knowledge, and then you got to replace that with a new knowledge. And mm-hmm. I think my clients love it best, love it best. You know what I mean? They love it when I tell them something that's not massage related. And they're just like, really? I didn't know vitamin D did that. Or yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah, yeah. know that I should sleep on time every night as much as I can. And I, it's some basic stuff. But it's just like also the fact that, um, you know, they, they, they trust you. And it, I think that comes back to connection. Like they sure. built a connection with them that you can say, you know, um, monkey poop is good for your hair, and they'll be like, "No <laughs> shit, yeah. Where, yeah. where do I find what, a what? fucking monkey? Do <laughs> I buy that at Soapies? Yeah. <laughs> Where's a monkey when you need one? Oh,
0: poop man. on my hair." Yeah. <laughs> so, do your folks now know what the RMT thing's about, or are they still like, "I don't, I don't know what he does"?
2: After nine years, I think right, actually, last year was probably the first time I felt like they respect what I do and just because they see how passionate I am they see how much how how uh, detailed and giving I am to this profession where they probably thought that this was just something I wanted to uh, fill a gap in they're always concerned about whether it was going to make money and I can tell you guys it does and humbly you know you got to work you do but it's work that you actually will enjoy if you actually enjoy a b and c and those a b and c's are for you to discover exactly yeah right on and i'm so happy i discovered my a b and c and i'm ready to take on d e f it takes a while but once once you once you get to that spot yeah it's so fun yeah it's so fun and like the fact that you thought podcast i'm going to have a platform. I don't know the, how you conceptualize this. I'm just, you know, this is Mark, obviously <laughs> in my head, but it's the With way you can squeaky <laughs> email voice. <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> hi, I'm <hi>, Mark. <laughs> we offer, we offer join most classes, <laughs> but the, f- the fact that you, you, you have now a platform, it's like, it's so such an upgrade to what massage therapy was
0: 1991. Yeah. Uh, what does your significant other feel about you doing this job? She, Was there ever any problems with
2: it? No, not at all. The only problems is that she's the one that gives me the massages. <laughs> That's <laughs> true, man. After doing a day of it, you don't want to
0: go home and do uh, do more.
2: Yeah, well, I I don't want to half half ass a massage, and yeah. she's just like, we're watching Netflix, and she wants she her neck's kind of feeling funky, and she's like can you just like get in there? And I'm like, well, I got to assess you. I
0: got to assess you. Again I got, I got to, I got to do avian <laughs> I don't want to
2: half-ass this, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but I, I, you know, maybe I'll give her a half-ass treatment and she'll actually, you know, enjoy it. But that, you know, seldomly happens. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, but she, she's in, she's, uh, devoting herself into the healthcare aspect as well. Oh, and cool. she's, uh, a registered kin. So she's planning on, um, having her specialty with a particular group and Mm -hmm. I mean she's got a big heart and so do I and we want to just help people she has that niche is like it's 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 great you know it's uh, so she gets your work she she gets it that's so important man because
0: yeah when your significant other does not get your work especially the body work stuff yeah that can just be a whole fucking other disaster i don't
2: say really oh yeah i haven't heard that but yeah for sure yeah. Like, we've
0: had people on this couch and i'm like what is your significant other uh, hates that i have the hates that i massage people or hates that i'm really i'm i'm, I'm in close con- physical contact uh, with other men or whatever the that's what is. you mean
2: yeah. yeah i could see that i could see that yeah no i don't think um i don't think she has ever questioned my um my bit my sorry my practice But she's practiced, she's, she's definitely questioned the way I go about my business. Like she, not a question, more so she sees my business on the outside and she knows who I am as a person. So she wants to make sure that I'm pretty balanced of the two. And as much as I can be very in tuned with myself, that doesn't necessarily mean I know how that's looking as a business outside. And so she'll say, you do need to start educating. You should throw out these creative videos you want to do. You you." like she's suggesting stuff that I'm questioning. And I think that's great because, um, you know, she's in the healthcare aspect and she definitely knows and understands that there are so many people that can benefit from what you know and that you're harboring as, as knowledge. So um, get out there and okay. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. We're going. That's why I'm here, man. It's just like probably the fact that, you know, we we have connected through, you know, Mark as Con Ed, and and then the full circle of just like, okay, you have this podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm really really loving to talk about it, massage therapy anyway, and I'm just like, get me on there, please. Right on. Yeah. I've got one more thing because I'm so
0: curious and I've been waiting to ask you this. Yes. And it's about dance. I'm sorry. I'm really fascinated with fucking dance performance. Yeah, man. I'll talk about. it. I want to know, can you make it? As a job, as a dancer, and not be good. Like, you know with musicians, you can be a shitty musician and make it big. Yep. Right? You can be a shitty massage therapist and do fucking really, really well. Yep. Can you be a shitty dancer? Not shitty, but can you be like not the best fucking dancer? And then excel.
2: I think so. I feel like, Okay. I do think so. Yeah. Um. But it depends on what the success of a dancer means, because that could be a lot of things. Okay. Um. It, you could be successful as a dancer who is uh, in the industry, booking movies, shows, and whatnot. And there will be few dancers that aren't so talented, but they have a look, right? And they fit the 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 look of what maybe be fascinating to be around Cardi B or Nicki Minaj or Justin Bieber, Timberlake. Um, And you could be mediocre. I I, don't like to use that word, but um, you could be an okay dancer. And then you could be an amazing dancer and not get any recognition at all. But you don't care because you know yourself, you've put the craft, you put the time into your craft and you're teaching a very humble number of students how to become amazing dancers as well. And you know, you almost become a sensei with like four turtles and all of a sudden you're saving the world, right? With those four turtles. I don't know if that correlated. I'm a i I'm an eighties, nineties baby. So I had to throw that in. But um I I definitely think you could be not a great dancer and still make it big. Yeah. But I I really question the The people that the dancers that do know they're not that great. Yeah. And they're they're hitting all these like, you know, I guess dancer accolades because you will be exposed. (laughs) It's quite easy with dance, because you know, there's there's it's so specific. Like I said, you can tell you can just tell when someone is in it. Yeah. Perform a dancer is in it, performing and living, quote unquote. When you're not a great dancer, that will show. Yeah. And you'll be exposed. So careful. Fascinates me. If you're just okay, go train more. <laughs>
0: Performing arts always yeah. fascinates me.
2: Yeah, man. Right on, bro. This was so
0: fun. Yeah, thanks for hanging. Yeah. This is Mark, awesome. Right on, right on. Well, you guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone, hanging out with Chris on the couch. Peace.